0: Would you humour me? Would you put your finger on your nose? <laughs> uh, your nose, you can take your finger off your nose if you want now, but your nose can differentiate between one trillion different smells. I could name probably six, but your nose, <laughs> probably more than six, mostly foods, but your nose would, uh, can differentiate between one trillion different smells. Your fingers, so that finger that you put on your nose, that finger can feel a ridge as small as 13 nanometers in size. That's 7,500 times smaller than the diameter of a human hair. Your finger can feel a ridge that small. Without your little finger, you would lose 50% of your hand strength. It's quite, I well, would never have guessed that. Your body is incredible. And the way that our, our body has been put together and the way that it's been designed is that there's also an element of, of what they would call interdependence. So the systems within your body all kind of depend on one another. They all re- work out in the context of one another. For example, your, your urinary system, it's a nice topic for a, for a Sunday, but your urinary system removes waste that's been produced by your bones in return. The bones of your skeleton create a structure that protects your bladder and other organs in the urinary system. Your your circulatory system delivers oxygen-rich blood to your bones, all the while your bones are making new blood cells. Can you see just how intricately it all works together? There's a sense in in the way that our bodies function, in the way that our bodies work, and if we're talking about parts of the body or organs of the body or systems of the body, in one context they are needed, but at the same time they are also needy that's the way that our body works. There's this interdependence that goes on. You can see why in Psalm 139, uh, the psalmist writes this, he says, for you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. And as we kind of understand and learn more about the body, and that was just three facts of thousands I could have shared today, so much that we discover, which is actually we are fearfully and wonderfully made, the way our bodies function is incredible. But what happens if parts of, of, of the body aren't functioning as they should? And if that happens, then, then the health of the body as a whole is affected. It's not to say that the, the, the value of the body is still there, but but kind of the way it works, the health of the body is affected. Been praying for Dexter this morning, that God would come and heal him and bring restoration to those areas of his body that seem to have been affected over this last week or so. And I'm sure there'd be many of you here who can relate. Actually, you've got situations going on in your own health where you you know where um, maybe certain things aren't aren't quite working as they should or certain things have been damaged and and your health has been affected. Your, Your life, in a way, your body has been affected by those things. It's because there's that element of of, of the way our body works, organs and, and parts of the body being needed but also needy. If you've been with us over the last few weeks, you'll know that we've been doing a series that we've called Church Matters, really focusing on matters of the church and at the same time, hopefully, realizing that the church matters. And the reason I'm talking about the body, the reason why I'm using that really as an introduction and things thing to get us thinking is because the body is one of the pictures that the scriptures use for the church talks about us, the church, as a body. Us here in Fabersham, as we're gathered here this morning, we are a body made up of many members, but one body. And we're going to focus a little bit on that today. We're going to focus on that. And a couple of weeks uh, ago, the last time I was speaking, we were picking up on, kind of thinking about why do we need church? Uh, and, and we were saying, actually, you need church. As if you're a believer, if you've put your faith, trust in Jesus, uh, then actually you need the church, because we all have needs uh, that we need to, that other people are involved in, in meeting. But at the same point, it's not just that we're needy, but we're also needed. We have a part and a role to play within the function of the body. An important part to play. And that's not just for ones or twos. <laughs> that's actually for each and every one of us. And so a couple of weeks ago, we were talking about you need the church. Today, the title that I'm working on. Uh, from is your church needs you it's kind of like one of those posters that we've seen was it from the wartime your country needs you actually your church needs you if you've got your bibles if you can turn to 1 corinthians chapter 12 i have a sneaky feeling this is where my mum was reading from with those verses uh just a moment ago before we prayed for dexter but just uh i was going to say i need to set the context but really jill's done that for us we're going to be reading from verse 12. In chapter twelve, but before that, uh, Paul's right into the church, and he's talking about spiritual gifts. He's saying actually that God has uh, attributed among the body to each one, He's given gifts of the Spirit, and they're there for the common good. Okay, so they're there for the good of the body, uh, and and each one has been given a gift, and they're all gifts from God. They're all gifts that have been given by the same Spirit. So that's really uh, where we're going to be picking up from. So we're going to read from verse. Yet one body. So very clearly, we've got this picture that Paul's using of, of de- being able to describe the church. Uh, he describes it as a body. So we've got many members, so lots of individuals, uh, but not, uh, the church isn't just about in, uh, living individually. It's about living corporately together, that we're members of the same body. And he roots this, right in the start of what we were reading, he roots this completely in Jesus. We were singing a song just a moment ago, Man of Sorrows, and it sings about uh, Jesus on the cross and what he uh, accomplished, uh, why he went uh, to, to pay the price for our sins, to, to wipe our, our slate clean in order that we would have, be able to have a relationship with God, so that we would be united with him. Once where there was distance, now actually because of what Jesus has done through his death and resurrection means that we have been united with him. And James was speaking, I think it was in the second week of this series, we wanted to get this right in at the start of the series, uh, that in Jesus, all of us have become one in Christ. So if you've, uh, if, you've been, um, if you've put your faith and trust in Jesus, you've been united with him, but you've also been united to one another as well. And it doesn't matter where we come from. It doesn't matter what our background is. It doesn't matter... Uh, all of the things that might be divisions in society and in culture across the world, all of those things are kind of pushed to one side. Because in Jesus, everyone can come. What did you say, James? Jesus loves all sorts. And in, uh, in, in these verses that we read, Paul makes a point of this. He's saying that we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free. He's saying actually there's no divisions anymore. Instead of where there might have been divisions, that now there's no divisions, but there is great diversity in its place. So we've been brought in, uh, and we've been united in Christ. And we also see this picture of the body. It's Paul again in Romans 12. He picks up on this picture of the body again. He says, 12 verse 3, he says, "For By the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has, has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not, have, do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members of one another, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, in service, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. I picked up on this a couple of weeks ago when I was saying, when I was saying actually you need the church because what we were just reading there, it says that um, though, we, though many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another, another way of looking at that is so we belong to Jesus and because we belong to Jesus, we belong to one another. There's that corporate sense. Your faith... It, it, Christianity, it's not an individualist faith. It's not just about you and God. There, obviously, there's the element there. It's about your relationship with God, but it, actually, you belong to Jesus, but you belong to one another as well. We're a body made up of many parts, but belonging to one another. Paul says, we've all been baptised into one body. And so we've got this, this picture here. One body, many parts, all baptised through Jesus into the church, into one body. Not only that, we've all been made to drink of one spirit, he says. It made to drink of one spirit. A few weeks ago at the end of June, Pete uh, was sharing with us about Pentecost. And at Pentecost, Jesus had returned back to, to, to be with the Father. He'd returned to heaven to be with the Father. And he says, actually, you need to wait because when I've gone, then the Holy Spirit will come. And so they wait. There's 120 of them in a room. And the Holy Spirit comes, and each one is filled with the Spirit. And on that first day, 3,000 people were added to their number. Something's changed. Something really significant has happened with the coming of the Holy Spirit. 120 people to 3,000. And then last week, when Gordon was with us, he was sharing about what it is for for the church to to live together, to be devoted to one another. And he was saying how actually... When you've got the spirit-filled community, so people full of the spirit living together and working things out together, what we see in the passage he was looking at in Acts, it says that daily people were being added to their number. There was growth that was coming, coming from it. A spirit-filled people. And in these verses in 1 Corinthians, it says that we um, were all made to drink of one spirit. That word drink can also be translated as, as sort of, uh, irrigation, to be irrigated, that continual supply. It's not just a one-off thing, but it's this constant being filled with the Spirit, day after day. Another way, when I was kind of preparing for today, another way someone put it, which I thought was brilliant, is that we are now a Spirit-saturated people. That's a beautiful picture, Spirit-saturated people, just drenched in the Spirit. And this is the New Testament picture of the church. This is what we see in the scripture. We see a spirit-saturated people, all with something to bring to one another. That's the picture of the church. And it's within this context, so Paul's kind of laid this foundation, and it's within, on this foundation that Paul speaks about gifts and diversity and how the church is to function. Not only that, it's also very clear that the gifts that we've been given, the functions that God has for us, aren't of our own doing. It's nothing to do with what we've achieved or how well we might be able to cope with something or, or actually what we might want. It's a, it's a gift of God. It's not earned or picked. But it's of grace. Remember what we read in, in, uh, in Romans when it was saying about... Again, belonging to Jesus and belonging to one another. It also says that we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. So it's a, it's a gift of God, the gifts that we have, and it's not just for the one or two; it's for each of us. All of us are needed in the church. All of us are needed in the body. I was listening to, uh, re-listening to one of the. Sessions from the Courage Conference, so relational mission, the the family of churches that we belong to. Back in June, we had a conference in London. One of the sessions uh, was this guy, Steph Liston, who is an elder at Revelation Church in Camden. He said something that really struck me. He says that God's strategy for the earth is a multi-diversely gifted body of Christ who are operating in the gifts they've been given, then the kingdom advances And we hasten the day of Jesus' return. Let me say that again, because there's quite a lot in it. God's strategy for the earth is a multi-diversely gifted body of Christ who are operating in the gifts they've been given. Then the kingdom advances, and we hasten the day of Jesus' return. So it's this picture. It's it's about a, a multitude. It's not just about a handful of people. It's not just one or two, I think he said it's not just one or two superstars that do it. Sometimes we can have that mentality of these are the people that are really gifted, that God's clearly using. Maybe we think about that in terms of, of the leaders in the church, people that actually, it's ones or twos that are going to be doing it. But actually that's not what we see when we look at the scriptures. That's not what we see when we look at what the church was like in the New Testament. It's a multitude of people ministering together and ministering to one another. That's what the church should be like. Which is why the title for today is Your Church Needs You. You have a part to play. And in using this picture of the body, it's quite easy for us to to recognise it's speaking about health. okay. So if we're speaking about the body, then we can think about the health of the body. And actually, if if parts of the body aren't functioning as they should, then the health of the body is, is affected by that, isn't it? As we were thinking about right at the start. So the way the body functions, ensuring that each part is functioning as it should do, is vital to the life of the church. And I want to say this as an encouragement. You have a vital part to play in the health of this church. You do. We don't always believe that. We might struggle to believe it. Maybe we go through seasons where we really can struggle to believe that. But you have a vital part to play in the health of this church. No spare parts. No one sidelined. That is not God's heart. For his church there's no spare parts that's good news we're not bystanders watching as other people do things that's not the way it should be again I say this as an encouragement because there's something that God has got for you for this church your contribution your gifting might not be worked out on a Sunday when we all gather together. That's that's okay. It doesn't have to be. When we were working through our, our last series, I'm pretty sure it was our last series, looking at 1 Thessalonians, we were thinking about actually how do we assess the health of the church and how actually the health of the church isn't measured by how many seats are filled on a Sunday, but it's by how the the gospel is proclaimed Monday through Sunday. It's not just about the times when we're together. It's about all of the rest of the times as well. So actually, your contribution isn't just about the Sundays. It's about the Monday through Sunday. Whatever context you're in, wherever you find yourself, whoever you are with, there's a contribution for you to be making. And it's important that we have the right culture in our churches. The culture we want to have here, Fabstrom Community Church is this, is that we want to have a culture where we are a multitude of people ministering together and to one another. This is going to look different for everyone. Because God's made us differently, because God has gifted us differently, but the culture What I want us to have here is not that it's down to the ones or twos, but we're a multitude of people ministering together, ministering to one another, where people find their place in the body and contribute to the purposes of God, to whatever measure he allows by his grace. So we've got this picture of the body, which hopefully is fairly clear that says, you you have a part to play. You're needed in the church. But there are challenges that can come along, I think, that I wanted to spend a bit of time focusing on now. They can be things that can keep us from being used or from contributing. Things that will stop us from from working out the gifting that God's given us or the purposes that God has given us. They can even be things that would keep us from church, whether that's just for a season or whether that's something that, that can be longer term. actually, There are some things and challenges that we face that have the potential to to isolate us from the church. Where we might think actually it's either better if I'm not there or easier if I'm not there. And we need to address these challenges because they're they're not good places to be. It's not what God intends for us. The first challenge I want to touch on in this is comparison. We can look at others and we can see what they're doing. And we can look at the gifting that God has given them. And we can look at the contribution that we're making. And we can talk ourselves down. Because we can think I'm not like that. That's not the way that I am. I wouldn't be able to do that. And we can do that. does it say in a passage in 1 Corinthians? Some might say... If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body. And we can have that sort of thinking, but but I'm not like them. I don't quite know where I fit. Do I actually have a purpose or or a place to fit? But what Paul goes on to say is this. He actually says, that does not make it any less part of the body. That's his reassurance. We might think, actually, I don't have that gift it. Well, that's not me. Maybe I don't fit. But this is God's heart. That does not make you any less part of the body. You're needed. So we can compare ourselves uh, with 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 people with other gifts. We can also compare ourselves uh, with people who have similar gifts. We can look at people and say, actually, we're fairly similar and we do the same things. So for me, in terms of preaching and teaching, I can sometimes find myself of looking at the way other people are doing it and you can compare yourself in a way that's not always that healthy because we can think someone else can do it better than me. Someone else can do it. Maybe I'm not doing it well enough. Maybe my contribution's not quite as important as theirs. A number of years ago, we had a, uh, someone from another church coming in to speak with us and it was brilliant what they shared. Someone in, in this church came up to me afterwards and they said... You're not like them. Don't compare yourself to them. You, you're very different in the way that you preach, but that doesn't mean that yours is any less valuable. And they knew, so God had spoken to them because they knew what was going on in my heart at that point. Because I was like, that's not the way that I do things. And there's this kind of this tension going on. For someone to come along, actually, that's a brilliant example of the body functioning together. Someone coming along and being able to speak that to me has done me the world of good. Because I know even, even now I can hear other people speaking and I'm just like, but that's so much better than the way that I do things. Well, why don't I do things like that? But actually, comparison, uh, we, I think we, there's a lot that we can learn from others. So absolutely, we want to be able to learn from others. But we have to be aware that comparison can be crippling because it can stop us from stepping out into the things that God has got for us. So we need to be aware of that. Going back to the Romans 12 passage, it said, Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. We're different because that's the way that God has intended it to be. We're different. That's good. So don't allow comparison with others to to stop you from stepping into what God has got for you. Another thing, another challenge for us is the way we think about ourselves. We read in Romans 12, before speaking of belonging or, uh, and before exhorting us to use our gifts, Paul says this, he says, For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. How we think about and how we view ourselves is hugely important. There's a battle that goes on in our minds. And we have to, uh, have to get a right and appropriate, uh, and appropriate view of ourselves. Paul's warning here is, do you know what? We can think too highly of ourselves. We can actually think we're better than we are at some things. The danger of thinking too highly of yourself is that we think we can do it all without needing anyone else. We think we can get by by ourselves. There's also a danger that we can think, I can do it better than this person can do it so I don't need them. Or I'm going I'm to do it instead of giving someone else the opportunity. And if we think too highly of ourselves, we can contribute from a place of self-reliance and dependence on ourselves rather than dependence on God. And also, if we think too highly of ourselves, we can devalue other members of the body. Like I'm saying, because we think I don't need them or I'm better than them at that. I'm really not meaning this to sound negative, but these these are the challenges that can go on that we need to press through because I don't want us as a church to be hindered or held back. I don't want anyone here to feel held back in functioning in the gifting that God has given, in finding your place in the body, because that is not God's heart for you. So don't think too highly of yourself. And Paul says in verse seventeen, he, he says, Do you know what? you can't you can't just have a body that's made up of one body part I don't know if I've made this up or not but are there adverts out for like cold and flu things where it's just like a big nose walking around? And, do you know what I mean? Okay, I've, I was like, either I'd, if I'd made it up, then I've probably got a sideline job that I can go into in advertising. But do you know what, it, it's just not right, is it? It's just this one body part by itself. Actually, that's not how we're meant to be. We need humility. We need, we need humility. So we need to think with sober judgment, which means we, do, we recognize our gifting and we recognize our strengths. And we don't play those things down, but we also need to recognize our weaknesses and our vulnerabilities as well. It's what it is to have sober judgment about the way we think about ourselves. The danger is we can, we can kind of swing too far the other way, and we can end up with a, a, a sort of a false humility, where we don't, think too, we don't want to think too highly, but we also don't want to have too low a view of ourselves. If we have too low a view of ourselves, we can talk ourselves out of being involved. So we think, I've got nothing to bring. Someone else can do it better than I can. There is, that, there is that potential there. Here's the problem. We can think, someone else will do it. I don't, it's not for me, I'm not able to do it. Someone else will do it. The problem is this. What if everyone else is thinking the same thing? And thinking someone else will do it? Then What happens? Then where do we find ourselves? We find our solution in verse 18 of that 1 Corinthians passage. It says that God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. It's God who's arranged the body. It's God who's given us gifts. It's God who's decided where we would fit and where we would function. It's all about him. So we need to have that right way of thinking and to be able to submit ourselves to God and say, God, this is who you've made me to be. I'm good at this. I'm a bit weaker at this. But use me in whatever way that you would see fit. God arranged it as he chose. No mistakes, no accidents. R.C. Sproul, in his commentary, commentary, he says, what makes me different from other people is not my greatness, but God's graciousness. That's very, very freeing. What makes me different from other people is not my greatness, but God's graciousness. Another challenge we can face is we might be in a place of hurt or suffering or trial. Could be to do with health, could be to do with family. Family. Could be to do that, you're going through a season where things just aren't going right. And that can be a challenge that can stop us from contributing to the body. Those are things that can stop us actually from engaging with the church and can, can make us feel like, you know what, I don't actually want to be in the church at the minute. You might feel as if you've got nothing to give. You might feel like, I can't serve in the way that I used to serve, I'm just not able to do that. Or I can't serve in the way that I'd like to serve or want to serve. But you are still important to the health of this church. Even when you're going through trials. Even when you're suffering. You are important to the health of this church. 2 Corinthians 1 verse 3 to 4. Again this is Paul writing. He says, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Father of mercies and God of all comfort who comforts us in our afflictions so that we may, may be able to comfort those who are in affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. Paul saying we've gone through afflictions we've needed God to come and comfort us but because of that we know how to comfort you and how to draw alongside you. Actually God can use all of our circumstances and to bring good things out of them. So be encouraged. Hold on to those truths if you're in that place, in that season of feeling, actually, I don't know if I can contribute anything. God can use you where you are. There are some seasons where we just have to keep on pressing through. I've gone through seasons like that. And I'm sure I will again, where you feel like, actually, it's not always easy. And it feels like just nothing seems to be going right. But we just have to keep pressing through and keep trusting God. I spoke earlier about what kind of a culture we need to have as a church where it's this multi, uh, multiple people ministering to one another we also need to have a culture of honesty where we don't need to perform we don't need to pretend that it's all okay where we can have that honesty and vulnerability with one another in a way that actually enables us to still be able to serve in the midst of where we are but we need to have that as a culture where people are safe to be able to do that Verse 22 it says, "Actually, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable." You might, as I was reading that through, or even now as I'm saying that, you might identify with that and, and feel like I feel like a weaker part. This is God's word to you: you are indispensable. Even the weakest parts are indispensable to the body. Another challenge we may face is is fear. Fear can stop us from. Operating in what God has got for us. We were at Eva's sports day. It's her first sports day. Uh, it was great. But it brought back some horrible flashbacks for me. And uh, there was a sports day when I was at primary school. We had, I don't know if I've shared this with you or not. But I feel like I obviously need to share it again. Uh, but we were doing a skipping race. And I tripped over. And I fell on the floor. And I was just embarrassed. And... I faked an injury. Did you know this? Yeah, you know this. My mum's nodding at me. I I faked an injury because I was too embarrassed to get up and to carry on and I thought I'd rather just quit and not do it. There's that fear of what people might think of what I've done. We can be like that in our gifting. Fear can stop us from pressing into what God has got for us. It can be fear of failure. Perfectionism is... It's good to want to do well, but perfectionism can be a real hindrance to us because we feel like unless I get it perfect every time, I'm failing. Or it actually stops us from trying something in the first place because I'm worried that it's not going to be perfect. Here's the solution for you if you can identify it with this. You ready to be comforted? You will get it wrong sometimes. Have a go. Give it your best. That's what God asks of you. Have a go and give it your best. We can have fear of fear of man, fear of what other people might think of us, fear of rejection. Actually, if I step out and do this, what if people don't respond well? Or what if people think less of me for it? Could be fear of persecution, maybe even fear of making yourself vulnerable. We're not to be fearful. Paul wrote to his friend Timothy. He said, I'm reminded of your sincere faith. A faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lewis, Lois and your mother Eunice. And now, I'm sure, dwells in you as well. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God. Okay, so the gift that God had put in him, fan it into flame. So use it. Uh, this gift which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. This was Paul's word to Timothy. You've got a gift in you. Fan it into flame. Use it. Do not let fear stop you from pressing into what God has for you. Because the spirit, the same spirit who's given you these gifts, it's not, he's not a spirit of fear. He's a spirit of power. And he's a spirit of love. And he's a spirit of self-control. I find that reassuring. Clearly, Timothy was a fearful man, otherwise Paul would not have had to say that to him. You look at the things, how God used Timothy, and you think, there's hope for all of us. But but there's great comfort in there for him, and into flame. Use that gift that God has given you, and remember that actually you have a spirit not of fear, but of power, love, and self-control. So these are a few challenges, but I don't want to say solutions and it's all nice and tidy, but but there are truths in the word, actually, of how God sees you, how God wants you to be. We're not to be held back by these things. But it's not just about the way that we think about ourselves. It's not just about the challenges we face ourselves. It's also about how we see one another. This is hugely, hugely important we need to see other people the way that God sees them in the body. We need to make room for people. We need to encourage them in stepping out in the giftings that they've got and pressing into the purposes that God has for them. We need to see them as valuable. As being valued members of the body with a contribution to bring. Because that's God's heart for them. God has put them where he wants them so as a family we need to be encouraging one another, making room for one another, stirring one another on, supporting one another in those things as well just want to finish touching on, on one last thing that I think is hugely important for us I just want to go back to verse uh, 22 22 Paul makes an important point. He says, look, there's potential for division here. There's potential for division. There's potential for some to feel sidelined. There's potential for some to feel overlooked. There's potential for some to feel weak and of no use. There's potential for us to push some people to the side because they're not as, it talks about not as being as honourable or presentable than others. Actually, we need to care for each one. We need to see each one as indispensable and see them as God sees them because God composed the body in such a way that there should be no division there's no division instead there is diversity and there is unity that's what we should be striving for and looking to growing and pressing on into we're in this together and hear this it's God who holds us together we're in it together, but it's God who holds us together. We're called to care for one another. And that's a call that we need to take seriously. We need to care for one another. We need to care for one another. Those challenges that I've addressed, are probably, there was probably a lot more that we could have touched on there, actually. And if these are things that people might be battling with or working their way through... We really do need to care for one another and look out for one another, don't we? In all circumstances. Not, not just in terms of seeing people using the gifts, but we want to see people flourishing. We want to see people walking with Jesus and really pressing on in their walk with him, don't we? So we take that call to care for one another. We've, I've got a video, hopefully. Have we got the video? It's a video of the 400 metres in the 1992 Olympics, Barcelona Olympics. There's a British athlete called Derek Redmond. He was really tipped, t- potentially, to-, to be one that could win the gold. And the race starts about 150 meters into the race. His hamstring goes, and he just stops. He has to stop, he pulls up, and he stops. <gasps> and this is what happens. It's a very powerful video. I did my crime when I did my preparation, so but it's a hugely powerful thing that, that we've just seen. So we've got this guy who is pressing on in his race and he comes to a point where he can't go on by himself. He's suffering in that moment, but he's wanting to press on and to keep going. And just when his dad comes in, and he picks him up and he, and he walks with him. What, what we don't see on that clip, but you can see on others, is you've got all these people coming along, trying to get him to stop, trying to, got medics and people and stewards, trying to get him to stop and come up the race, and his dad's just, literally just shooing people away, because he wants to help his son to finish that race, that's what he set out to do, that was his thing to achieve and to accomplish, that was his purpose, and he draws alongside him and he helps him, and he, and he carries him through, and it's just utterly remarkable. And, and the other thing that really struck me as well is, is, is the crowd as they're watching, and they're just cheering him on. And I think I, think I read somewhere there were 65,000 people that just gave him this standing ovation at the end. And for me, it's such a picture of what we should be like as a, as a church. That was his dad who came alongside and picked him up. And they went through it together. They journeyed through that suffering together. Still so he could accomplish the things that he had in front of him to do. We are not colleagues. We're family. Which means we're brothers and sisters. We're spiritual fathers and mothers to one another. What Paul says is that when one suffers, we all suffer. I'm sure Derek Redmond's father was suffering in seeing what was happening. But he, he gets alongside him and he cares for him. And he helps him through. And they don't, for me, it's just this picture of they press on together. There's that sense of actually still achieving together. And pressing on together and fulfilling what they set out to do together. So when one suffers, we all suffer. But when one is honoured we all rejoice. Can you imagine how his dad felt when he saw that crowd raise to their feet and cheer him on? His son was being honoured in that moment but his dad got to share in the rejoicing of that with him. Church, we walk together. We press on together. We care for one another. We help one another to to fulfil the things that God has got for us. To still be able to contribute. Whatever's going on When one of us suffers, we all all suffer. When one of us is honoured, we all rejoice together. Can I pray for us?